Welcome to the New Monks. This podcast is dedicated to those of us on the journey of evolution. Through these episodes, we will dive into the lives of individual people and discover what they have learnt and how they have handled their growth. We believe that we all have wisdom to be shared with each other and can learn from listening to each other's stories. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you feel like leaving us a review and sharing the love, that would be greatly appreciated. So this is just a heads up because, you know, there's a lot of information that is coming to light at the moment. And through these episodes, each person is going to share a different side of that for them. Now, this isn't to say that every single thing that is shared here is going to be 100% accurate, you know. It's just not where we are right now. It's just not the case of the unravelling and the disclosures that are being revealed to us. Obviously, things are always, always changing and in one moment something can be so real and so true and the next moment is completely shifted and changed into something else. This is the journey of evolution. This is the journey of incension that we are going through right now. So this is just an invitation that you're discernment is really really important as always as usual please take what resonates and leave the rest thank you hi and welcome to the new monks podcast i'm jay muller this is from path a which is a platform here to provide tools for your spiritual evolution and growth in this episode i'm talking to lara fairy love And I met her at a little gathering in Oxford and she shared her book that she'd written and it's amazing. I can't remember what it's called now, but I will put the link in the description. And this, her story is wild. She has so much that she went through, went into, but ultimately the gist of it is that she had an awakening through her crown chakra and that opened her up to the spirit world and the astral realm you know, whatever you would like to call it. And then she, it created a lot of conflict for her and a lot to discover and realise that there was so much more to this reality. And this happened, I think, in her when she was 20, I think she said. And so at such a young age, especially growing up in the 90s, where I feel like there wasn't as much information, the internet hadn't boomed the way that it is now, there's so much tools available to us now. So it was just a process of really her figuring out what was going on, trying to decipher what was reality and what wasn't, even though I guess it all kind of is anyway. And then going through this path and this journey into realising that she is the controller of her own ship and that she can put in the boundaries there in the astral realm as well as physically to enable her to I guess hone in on that gift really because not everyone is born or I guess she wasn't either but it opened up to her in this lifetime but not everyone is able to see other what it everything else that exists here now and so her journey continued and she ended up becoming you know a a birthing doula I guess in a way for the free free birthing and again that's a huge thing that's completely as she described on the rise and yeah there's so much with that and it's really just a magical journey and it was amazing to just listen and to be a witness 
of her path and her journey because yeah it's completely filled with so much magic so i hope you enjoy this episode thank you so yeah thank you so much for being here and ready to tell your story on the new monks podcast yeah man yeah that's so cool i've just met you the other day at the retreat that we were attending and yeah you shared this little book that you wrote and yeah. it's, it's amazing especially because it's for children right but obviously well, it's for everybody yeah yeah for the child in us all though yes yes yeah but anyway we share about that later <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah how do i normally begin is if we just take a few deep breaths in and out And then just tell us how you're feeling right now. Joyous. Mm. With this, with this thing that seems to come out from my heart as I breathe out that just goes love, 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 like that in like levels. Mm. That's how I feel. I love that. Uh, Glad Mm. to be alive. Mm. That's amazing. Well, I've worked hard for it, me. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> exactly, that's what I was thinking. Like, and also, I like the way that you said it, you know, all around, it's, it's not just in one direction, you know? Yeah. Like, out around you, mm. like I'm in the middle of this big crystal that goes out in all directions. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, feels like it's a crystal and it's like a two-square star crystal on top of a two-square star crystal. Yeah. So it's like a 16-sided edged thing, Mm. which turns up into a crystal above me and below me. Mm. That was a vision I had when I was about 30. And I tried really hard to tell some people, and most people just laughed at me. <laughs> wow, yeah, but that's like the Merkaba, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so when you were 30, you, you hadn't heard about that before? And no. Just, yeah. Right, so no, the Merkaba, right, is the triangle one. Yeah. Yeah, but this one is the square one, and that's like one of the symbols of the divine feminine and the divine masculine mixed together. It's, it's also got a name like the Merkaba. I can't remember it. 
So what was the vision you had when you were 30? Huh. Well, just that. Yeah, I was like there. It's going to make you laugh. I was there minding my own business, just kind of feeling this party's baseline. And I was in Spain. There was all these beautiful mountains and beautiful sky and beautiful river going by. And there was me ready for a swim, so beautiful and naked, the baseline. Like that. And I was just feeling it, just like feeling the whole thing. And then it was like this baseline came out of the earth and this baseline came out of the sky and they were these crystal things, right? Mm. And, and they were in front of me. And then in all of them, there was like, there was like a joining, a rainbow in between. And I was there and it was all like pulsating in front of me, turning around, all these rainbow colours, absolutely beautiful. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they went, like this to me. I'm like, fucking hell. I'm "I'm a psychedelic screwdriver. And that's all I could say to anyone who talked to me for the rest of the day. Wow, that sounds amazing. It was amazing. I did turn it into a healing practice for a bit, which was quite cool. Yeah, Yeah, it was like full on it, like fully helped some people process some of their shit basically <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. utilized it as a crystalline vision of each of their energy centers and utilize that to help clear any murky stuff that was in each of their energy centers it was like extra crystal empowered reiki i reckon you'd probably call it mm. yeah it was it was cool makes sense i used to call it the psychedelic screwdriver. driver <laughs> so when you had the vision were you sober or uh i think i've been awake for quite a long time i think i've been awake for quite a long time and i definitely have been smoking yeah but straight straight in relation to a lot of people yeah Mm. i'm not really a when when i was young i tried many many things but i realized my brain and i've had babies now so i realized when i was a bit older that my brain's more psychedelic than anything I can put inside me. Oh my yeah? word, yes. Yeah. Exactly. But my heart, my soul, and it's communication, just me breathing is so awesomely cosmic. <laughs> I'm like, don't think I need anything to reveal my soul to me anymore. You know, that's what psychedelic means soul revealing. Psyche, delic, soul wow. revealing. Psyche, soul, delios, reveal. Yeah, I'm like that. Put my soul's on the outside now, mate. <laughs> no, I'm really glad that you brought this up right so early as well because this has been a topic I've been having with a friend recently as well. Just basically, she's. I think we're going to do a series together actually about how she stepped away from ayahuasca. Yeah. And the reasons and all of this and, and just basically realising that there's more beyond that. It can only take you to a certain level and then after that, you know, which I think some people don't necessarily know, you know what I yeah. mean? Well, so I think most, I mean, I was born in 1973, okay. yeah, in a small town in the middle of nowhere. And um, yeah, basically God had gone on holiday. No one believed in God or Jesus or the church anymore. They did believe in shopping and what the neighbours thought. And, you know, working hard. That's basically what people believed in, yeah. And general yeah. spirit wasn't for people like us and no one ever even talked about it yeah there was god and good and evil but you know no one was reading the bible or really making you go to church it was just kind of an idea that was over there so we were kind of in a like spiritual free zone 
if you like, yeah. but with this like underpinning of old style Christianity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when I started all this stuff, mostly like mate, in my hometown, people used to call me the hippie and I didn't have any idea what one was. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know what a fucking hippie was. I used to not like wearing shoes and I just wanted to wear the clothes I liked. Yeah. I used to go to jumble sales and buy like old people's clothes and put them together in weird way. And yeah. Yeah, and people who call me a hippie. I did, and it weren't until I was 25 that I met some actual hippies. Wow. Like the Rainbow Circle. And there was quite a few of them used to um, help run the Good Trip Tent at the Stonehenge Free Festivals. You know, I was like 25 and they were 55, wow. 60. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were cool, man, you know. And there was large amounts of interesting nurse. And I met lots of people and I realised that whatever I was, there was definitely a part of me that connected with some of that more spiritual earthy stuff. But I definitely wasn't just a stereotype yeah. of a hippie. And I'm like that. But I'm just me. And, and this stuff is in all of us. Mm-hmm. But it's taken a long time, about 30 years, for, mm-hmm. for that communication to fall on ears that are ready to hear it oh yeah exa- oh. before it was all a bit oh don't be so ridiculous yeah 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 so i just kept saying it i used to be really feisty yeah i was really angry stuff happened when i was little i was really angry i come from quite a old school violent place so people would sort each other out and disagreements out with a bit of a fight, and then everyone would be okay. So by the time I was about 16, 17, I was quite a reputation for being feisty because mm. it was the 80s and boys still grabbed you, yeah? Literally just come up and shit like that, yeah? And I, I didn't like that. So, yeah. It was interesting to move away from this small town where it was quite angry out into the rest of the world. I went off to Huddersfield Polytechnic that just turned into university. Shit year to go there. Bless Wait, where did you go? <laughs> and realised really quickly, Huddersfield. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Huddersfield, yeah. So I come from a small town in the middle of nowhere with just white people, working class white people, to the middle of Huddersfield. It was amazing, mate. Yeah, it was like that. Every kind of person you could ever imagine, every kind of hue across the board, every kind of anything. And, yeah, I was really free. I had loads of fun. Went raving up north. It was great. (laughs) I love that. I love how you said that it took 30 years because it puts a lot into perspective, you know? Like... Sometimes it takes a while, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ages. Yeah. Especially mm. if it's a big one that messes with people's perceived reality that their ego has decided is everything. Yeah. 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 So things like recycling 30 years ago, the general response is, 
oh my God, why are you making so much fuss about where the rubbish goes? Surely that's somebody else's job. Just that. <laughs> why are you moaning so much about sugar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's brilliant. Yeah, it made me laugh. The world is a great place when somebody who you'd said stuff to 30 years ago comes back and goes, oh, my God, you'll never guess. Sugar is actually like a poison, and when you put it in your body, it depletes your immune system because your body has to work so hard to process it, and I was like that. Wow, yeah. And that's what I spend my life doing, really, going, yes, mate, that's wow. right. Wow. Nice one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm getting down with it now. Do you know what I mean? I'm like getting to this point where I've fully learned a load of self-respect now, mm. even though what myself has to say is generally not what the mainstream or a large amount of people have ever been saying. Yeah. And right now, there's more people saying the stuff that I've been saying than ever before. Mm. And the greenwash is right up there because I checked out the television this week. I've been near where there was a big television. And, um, yeah, so my life is being used to advertise almost everything. Yeah, so boat life was being used to advertise a building society. Festivals and van life were being used to advertise McDonald's and another building society. And I was like... Well, that's very interesting. Mm. So that stuff, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, sell your clothes. If you don't like them anymore, sell them to someone else. Yeah. Do it on your telephone. Yeah, 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 there's loads of apps now you can do that. It makes me really happy. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you don't have to own nothing, do you? Yeah. Is what I like. It's like, yeah, look, the channel's open. Everyone can hear it. Some people can't make sense of it. So it just goes into the general hover of noise in somebody's head. But more and more and more people are starting to do something that mm. resonates with this voice that's the voice inside all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And ultimately, it's, you know, the yeah. what you said about rubbish was interesting because it's just you taking responsibility for your life and your actions, really. That's all you're doing, you know? Yes. So, yeah, that's the voice. That's just... it, isn't it? Yeah. It's like take it, taking less, using less, and pay attention to less. I'll go up in a bungalow, eh? It's just this, bungalow, one-floor house, where you could turn everything on with your finger. Turn the lights on, turn the tap on, hot water, lights just like that. Chuck your rubbish in the dustbin and someone comes and takes it away. So to learn how not to use loads of water took quite a lot of effort. Do you know what I mean? You to, I had to like go away and be somewhere and carry my water and work out how much I actually need and how much I use and how long I can exist without some and where I can find some and all those things. Same with electricity. You can like make some out of solar stuff 
but you've got to learn how to store it and how to use it and how to replenish it and all that and mm. how much you've got and how long it will last if you want to use it. Yeah, interesting, not, not an infinite supply. And once yeah. you stop thinking it's an infinite supply, that kind of thing, a bit of you starts to notice what is yes in infinite supply. Mm. And it's definitely not anything you can turn on and off with a switch in your finger. Yeah. It's like the five same things, isn't it? You know, earth, air, fire, water, mm. spirit, infinite supply. Mm. So just rewind, I'd love to hear about your journey with the um, psychedelics and all those things. When did you come to the moment of realising, okay, cool, I'm good on my own, like you just described? <laughs> right, let's have a look. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like your ba- basic, average eighties teenager, drinking loads, smoking loads of fags, occasionally smoking a bit of weed, not weed, a bit of crap hash if we could find it, <laughs> and doing some acid. Just yeah. by mistake, I ended up. I used I used to do little missions, people. And I did this mission where I took out some acid one day for this bloke and he didn't tell me that you weren't supposed to touch it with your fingers. So I just, like, touched it with my fingers while I was giving it to people and then came home all spangly and had a really lovely day. And he was really surprised that I had such a lovely time because I probably took a lot of acid that day and not really knew it. And so that was the fun I had until I was about 20. That was about three years probably. On and yeah. off a bit of acid every now and then, all pretty good. I was that person who, if anyone else backed out, I'd just be nice to him. I used to like um, gazing into my pupils really deeply and leaping into them in the mirror and going for little adventures inside my brain. That's what I used to like with acid. It used to make me laugh. <laughs> and sit there looking at something until it stopped moving. Then you go, yeah, yeah, I think the acid's finished yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bird poo on the skylight now just looks like bird poo on the skylight, not a multidimensional fractal. <laughs> that was nice and yeah I went off to be a student in Huddersfield and did lots of dancing so that kind of kept me busy and happy so I didn't do as much acid then I kind of went past that I tried a few bits of mushrooms went oh they're quite nice that's nice as well liked it a little bit more because it didn't seem as yeah. chemically yeah, yeah yeah and it was a bit more of an easy experience really at one with the earth and the breathing and the stars yeah. it all seemed to be a bit more like that Went to Dartington College of Arts for like past my first year at Huddersfield. It was a shit course. I didn't like it. And I transferred to Dartington and they put me on to the second year. So I went and did theatre studies and visual performance at Dartington College of Arts. And all was well for like a year. I had a really great time. I read The Tao of Pooh. I learned how to juggle. Basically opening myself up a bit. Yeah, from this kind of straight world that I've been in, I've been kind of psychedeliking on the side, but not really telling any of the normal family. And then the juggling and the Tao of Pooh and the general relaxing, I can say now with the 30 years knowledge, open me crown chakra. Hey! <laughs> I didn't know what a crown chakra was. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was my final viva where you do like talking about like sort of some work you've done for the second year of my degree. And I got this headache, right? And it was like this headache and it would just go drip down my face. And then it fell 
like my face was cracking off and it was like it's like someone's dragging me to the side and it was it was not nice and it happened for like two days and the fellows like that oh you gotta go to hospital no, I've got to go and do my viva. So I did my viva. He phoned up the doctor, told him my symptoms, and they said I had to go straight to hospital. So um, I went straight to hospital from this viva, and they said, you've got shingles. Here, have all of these drugs. So being someone who'd grown up in with the NHS and the drugs and your mum taking you and they give you things and you take them, I just took them. Distal g and diazepans. Quite a lot of them there were, really. And it, in the doctor's notes, it says that it gave me a psychotic episode. Now, 30 years research and experience tells me that I opened my crown chakra, I saw loads of stuff, and I couldn't close it down again because I didn't know how to, yeah? So the pain was it trying to close down with me just fully communicating now yeah and everything all gets a bit excited when you're communicating so because I didn't have any spiritual grounding apart from what I told you before the kind of barest minimum of Christianity around the edges <laughs> in the moment when it was happening and it was beautiful sitting on the side of a hill I could see the whole of reality and know that it was all part of me and I was all part of it. And that was all wonderful and brilliant. And I could tell it was a timeless moment and we're all one and all these set and I could feel it and know it all to be true. That was fine. But as soon as I walked down into the town and tried to speak with anyone, there were so many levels of reality and communication to be able to speak the truth to people it just kept knocking me off balance and I didn't know where I was and I couldn't work out. I was like, hang on a minute, because you'd say something, people go, nee, 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 nee. I'm like, oh shit, am I bad? And really quickly it started to confuse me and I started to get quite scared. I was like, oh, I was a bit freaked out. So I went and saw my boyfriend and told him what was going on. Bless him. He totally freaked out, 100%. He didn't really know what to do because until then I'd kind of been this like, Taoist, chilled out, tie-dyed thing that was like, you know, 15 years younger than him. And I think he thought he was on a good score and thought he was kind of Carlos Castaneda in me, right? But he told me later on, he met up with me about 35 years later, no, 30 years later, and did like some apologising to me. Right? Wow. Like, I'm so, so sorry. It was because, um, yeah, I'd been reading Carlos Castaneda and... I thought I knew loads of stuff and you didn't know any of that stuff. So when I told it to you, it was like I knew it and I was the big I am. So I told you all these things and you just did them. And then you had your own ideas and you were doing this stuff. He goes, and you were running far ahead in front of me and I didn't know what to do. And I was a bit scared. He goes, and so then when you broke down, I was fucking terrified. He goes, I had no idea what to do. He goes, and plus... You just, so what I didn't know was he was a junkie before he met me, but me and my like awesome 19, 20-year-oldness had just blown that all away. And hey, like this. But he was terrified I'd find out. And so there's me with my crown chakra all over him, telling him all this stuff and telling him I can see all this stuff all around him, and he's shitting himself there. <laughs> so he was like, oh, 
I've got to leave you here. And he locked the door of the flat and left me there. That was no good. My wow. brain flip-sided itself inside out. And I managed to get out of the flat because I felt like I'd been locked in and imprisoned. And then I was just out in the street, pretty mental. And this wicked bloke, Charlie Fox, like almost like a elemental magic dude, yeah? Like big beard and all that stuff. He literally saw me and scooped me up. He's like, in here, young'un. In here, yeah? I didn't have no shoes on. This great big woolly jumper and just a pair of cycling shorts. Yeah? And he's like, it's no good for you. What are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. He bought me some tea, got us a cake, went out and got me a bit of clothing that was appropriate. He goes, can't come with me. And I went and just like sat with him for a bit and wobbled out at him and he listened. And he's like that. And I was like, I was a bit freaked out by the whole sex thing and all that. That's like a, another thing. And um, I was like, oh, you've been doing all these good things for me. Like, do you want some kind of payment or something? And he's like, don't even look at me like that, young man. He goes, I'm not here for that. He goes, I'm just here for safety. He goes, I'm going to take you back to your people now. And he took me back to where I was at Dartington, which was a bit scary because student halls residents are where loads of people are faking loads of things. Yeah. And there's loads of energies going around, yeah, and it's all a bit... So I was there for a little bit, like a few hours, and I tried to go to the student bar like normal and communicate, but everyone's like 10 levels of communication. And, it's, and I'm just like, and I'm trying not to freak out, but every time I freak out a bit, all the lights in the place are flicking on and off and everything. And I'm just like, I was just like a bit freaked out. And I went outside and I was like, yeah, this, this is the bit that oddered me out the most, to be fair. And I was like, no, no, I can't stay. It's too much. Yeah, I just got to do something else. So I like walked off into the field. There's a field between the hands of the residents. And I was kind of talking to myself, but I was also kind of talking to this kind of shadow friend that was there as well it was almost like another being that was there with me I was like Fucking hell. and I started to walk down to the river where I I knew I quite liked the river right I'm talking to this friend and I'm like talking I'm talking I'm talking it's all all right and they're going so where do you think you want to go I'm like well I don't really know don't really know what to do or where to go I'm a little bit confused if you've got any help okay, so we're talking 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 like this yeah and it's like kind of shiny I thought I was maybe walking towards the sunrise or something and so I'm walking talking walking talking and then behind me, I hear this like proper ruckus, yeah? Someone really shouting and really panicking and really scared, shouting, oi, 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 sort it out. And I turn around and there's me standing on the side of the river going, what are you doing? Get back here! Like this. And so I like turned around and looked and I kind of, it dropped into my, I'm like, okay, that's me. And I'm standing on the side of the riverbed. And then I'm like, so where am I? I'm in the river, and as my brain went river, from where I was, just walking to the light, all of a sudden, I was in the river, tempestuous fucking rapids of the thing. I am a really strong swimmer. So I really swimmed really hard, and I got out, and I was just like, late on this hawthorn tree for a bit, going, fuck, that was a bit fucked up. Right, and my invisible mate, shadow mate, whatever they were, went, we obviously weren't supposed to go there then. <laughs> cool. That was cool. However, after that, for a while, especially with my crown chakra over like that, I couldn't be sure whether I was alive or dead. Yeah. And then I couldn't be sure whether I was in this strange place called Purgatory, which I didn't know really much about, but I kind of knew that it was there. And I didn't know whether I needed to work out some kind of quiz 
I needed to, I don't know, it got a bit complicated after that because I was a little bit scared. So at one point, I just phoned up my mum and dad and went, honestly, if you exist, <laughs> and I hope you do because I believe you do and I remember you do, please, could you just come here and come and get me? Because I don't think I can really work out reality anymore and it's starting to do my nothing. So they did. They sent me ex-boyfriend to come and get me. And he came and got me and, like, they brought me home and stuck me in the bungalow for a bit and I hid under my duvet. You just go, fully freaked out, yeah? Calmed down. And I had a little chat with the doctor and a little chat with the psychotherapist. But it was highly unsatisfactory, mm. the psychotherapy, because it's mostly... He just told me that he didn't... And see, see, what happened once I was home was all I could do was cry because I felt so sad that I couldn't communicate the beauty of the thing and the message that we're all one, there is enough. And whenever I tried to say it, it just didn't fall out properly. And all I got was people telling me I was crazy. All of the people I trusted, yeah, my mum, my dad, the telly, your friends, everyone was like that. It's fucking mental, mate. Yeah, you're And I'm like that. And a bit, a bit of me knew that I wasn't, right? I was like that. I know it's true. And I know this is true for you, but there's a truth that's true in all of it. And I just couldn't get the word. Nine months, basically, sleeping in the daytime so as not to have to talk to any people and getting up for a couple of hours in the middle of the night and walking around in the middle of the night, being outside talking with the stars and the moon. Wow. Yeah. So I had this psychiatrist, and in the end, he put his hand on my leg. said, oh, Laura, I don't know why you're so sad, because you're so beautiful. That triggered off all of the childhood business, and I was like that. I'm not going to go and see him again. So I decided that much better for me would be to go and sit by the river. Say, say yeah, I'm going to the thing, because then you don't get grief from the parentals, and then just sit by the river and chill out. So that's what I did, and I kind of taught myself how to meditate in my own way and breathe in my own way and just have my own little bit of peace and talk to the grass and listen to the ants, (laughs) that stuff. And slowly started to notice when I felt calm and when I started (laughs) to feel really scared. Yeah, And I was like, right, okay. The really scared thing kind of happens whenever there's anybody else around. Because any people near me feels like I'm being attacked. So I used to do this little dare to myself. Yeah? I used to dare myself to see if I could walk from Boundary Drive down Burramore Road into town. It's only one road into like the town. And I used to dare myself to see if I could walk into town without freaking out. But every time a car would go by, all of the stories of all of the people in the car would like splurge out. And all of a sudden, they're all over me. And sometimes... I'd That was enough. I'd have to go home. Yeah? But I made it into town, and there was this shop that was there for a while called Ethnic Image, and it was very incongruous because March wasn't a hippie town in any way, shape, or form. We had this lady in it called Marietta, who had one eye. She was the mother of a girl I went to school with. She, like, helped out in this shop, and I, like, kind of walked into this door, being about as far as I could, and she was just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, come in here. She's like, are you all right? I'm like, no, not really. He's like, would you like a little cup of tea? I'm like, 
Yeah. <laughs> right. And so she like took me upstairs and she gave me a cup of tea. It was very calm and gentle. And she went, okay. She goes, do you feel like you're being really attacked? And I was like that. Yeah, constantly, all the time. It's really terrifying. She's like, okay, do you know what an aura is? I'm like, absolutely not. Haven't got a clue. And she goes in, grounding, centering. I'm like, Meh. It's like, right, then I'm going to show you some stuff. So first she did what we did, reminding me to breathe. Yeah? And she told me to breathe in and out, in and out, and breathe out into this lovely golden bubble all around myself. And then to keep it safe, tie it together with a like Wonder Woman golden belt, yeah, and keep it nice and safe. So she got me to do that for a little bit. And I was like, cool. She's like, right. So about this being attacked thing, I was like, yeah. She's like, well, so your aura is this like beautiful bubble all around you that we've just been looking at, yeah. She goes, so when I first met you today, your aura was like a beautiful spider's web, which I thought was a really nice way of saying, basically, you shot to shreds, love, yeah? <laughs> Your aura's got so many holes in it, it's like a spider's web, yeah? It's a nice lady. And I was like, right, what you are. So we did a bit more of that, and I kind of calmed down. Almost everything she was saying to me sounded completely mad from everything I'd been taught, apart from every bit of it felt completely good mm. in comparison to the terror I'd been feeling. So... <laughs> So then she goes, do you trust me? I was like, yeah, I think I do. She's like, right, I've got this friend called Heather. She lives just down the road, and she's a medium. Will you come and see her? Wow. So, yeah, they didn't charge me no money or nothing. Yeah, and then no one like, went, oi, you've got to pay us cash now. And so went to see this lady, Heather, and I just told her what had happened to me for the last nine months, right? She just sat there and listened. And then she went, okay. She goes, well, when I was 20, I locked myself in a cupboard for, like, six months to see if I could, like, make a boundary between me and all this other stuff. And, and it's scary, hey? I was like, yeah. She goes, right. So what you need to know is that in the place that isn't physical, if you are an open channel, you're like a shining beacon of light. Yeah, that's what you are. You're like a shining beacon of light. And everything that's in the darkness will come towards you because it is like moths go into a flame. I'm like, Okay. It's like, right, so you don't really need all that information, do you? I'm like, not really, no. It's really confusing and don't really like it. And is is yeah, doing my nothing is too much. Like, right, so what we could do is you could put a big stop sign in front of your head, a big red stop sign, like at the end of the road, stop in white letters, hexagon, red, stop. And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm a bit afraid because what if the voices are god or something maybe i might piss him off yeah do you know what i mean i'm like 19 20 and she's like that you're in charge she goes it's your head it's your space it's your life if you choose to communicate that is your choice no one is allowed to bombard in here without your permission goes right so you could put a little note on it Lovely space in the hands of someone who doesn't know how to use it yet. Please come back later. So I slapped that on there and left the whole thing alone for about five years because it was really scary and I just relaxed. And that was so like I put the stop sign in front of me, Ed. An imaginary note? Yeah, right. I put an imaginary note and everything that had been literally everything was multicolored all of the stories were it all went like that and i was like 
And for the first time since it had all opened, I just felt normal again, yeah? Just like a person with a person in the room who was just a person. About loads of colours and voices and noises and stuff. Everything was just what it was. There was no metaphors. There was no other meaning. It was just people, peopling. It was like that. Phew. <laughs> so I went home. And I was like, Mum. And I told her the story. She looked a little bit worried at the end. She's like, no, because you're under 21 and you live here, the doctor wants me to give him leave to section you. Like this, yeah. Yeah, because I've been saying all this mad stuff. Now, if it had been the day before, I would have had to have told the truth truth, yeah? I would have had to go, no, Mum, it's really real. You need to know. But because now I had my boundary back up, I could see that she weren't ready for any of that. And I could see that I didn't need to tell her anything. I was like, oh, you're right, Mum. Don't worry about it. I'm only pulling your leg. Oh, really? I went, yeah, it's all right. Look. And she's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you smile for ages and all that stuff. And she knew I was all right. So she didn't give him leave to section me. And I didn't get sectioned by the skin of my teeth. So I had five years rest. And I just finished my degree. Ran a sound system in Devon and then got pregnant because <sighs> I we took we took a load of mushrooms this night after a party that got raided, so we took all these mushrooms. And yeah. We were infinite dimension jumping. It was wicked, yeah. We were just going through reality, through reality, through reality, me and the father of the child. And he's like, Come on, let's go further. And I was like, I, 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 I think I need to go back now to my body, I think. I don't think, I think if I go any further, I won't remember whether I'm alive or dead and I'll, I'll want to keep having a body. Oh, I went, no, I'm a bit too afraid. And I turned around. Oh, yeah, I nearly forgot about this. And this big blue ball, right, washed into me, this big blue ball, right? And I was like, poof, woke up. Yeah, and a bit later, not long, I realised I was pregnant, eh? And I was like, fucking hell. Now, that baby... When he was two and a half, I called him furious, like um, out of that speech from the boys in the hood, when Lawrence Fishburne goes on about why does he pull so many drug stores in the hood, why do you want so many gun stores in the hood? His name was Furious Styles, so I called Furious Furious because I thought he was cool. And when he was two and a half, he told me to call him Blue because that was his real name. And yeah, so I gave birth to Blue and that was good. And he grounded me. He opened my pelvis and made me feel my insides for the first time wow. since I was a child. Because yeah. I've been completely disassociated from my pelvis and all that. But when I gave birth, I felt it for the first time. Everything opened out. And he taught me that I was here to help and serve somebody else or so best look after myself. And we talked so much when he was in my belly. Wow. And he birthed so awesomely, beautifully. Mate, he just said, he was like, that don't have me in a house. I grew up in a bungalow, a student living in like a little student accommodation over there and then in somebody's bay window. So I didn't really know how to not have him in the house, but I worked it out and got like a transit van. And so, yeah, adds blue to the sounds of the sound system playing in the back of this Mark II transit van. Mm. It was bloody awesome. Yeah, it made me believe. And then because there was a little person to take care of, I knew that I just had to make myself 
as sturdy as I possibly could. Mm. So I started to build on what I already knew, which is peace. Because given half a chance, because of the trauma from when I was little, I can go to war. But I learned that peace is the way that we are going to widen out the paradigm. So I'm standing for self-responsibility and love. And that's what I ask people. If they really start like rabid arguing in a nasty way, rah, 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 I'm like, mate, what do you want? Do you want war or do you want peace? And if they like don't understand, I'm like, well, peace and love is like compassion mm. and open-hearted understanding and non-judgmental simpatica. Yeah, like simpatica between hearts, yeah, and we all support and communicate and check each other out, yeah, and not judge and hear everyone's perspective, yeah? Or we can have war and I will destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> and most people get it after that. So I think that was probably the first bit. That was like the children brought me back in from the right out there. And it, yeah, and we did like, we traveled around for about seven, eight years, spinning fire and making hair wraps and things like that. And yeah, then returned to England. And that's when I started doing the welfareist because when I went away, there was like an English free festival gathering thing that was still going on. And I went away for seven years. And when I came back, it turned into the beginnings of the festival industry. Mm. But loads of the old hippies who I, basically I did loads of cooking for all of these rainbows. So I like looked after and did all this cooking. So I was remembered. So I just went into loads of different gigs going, what do you want? What do you need? I spin fire and I did loads of different things. And it turned out what they needed was welfare. So me and this girl, Josie, Angel Josie, I'm the fairy, she's the angel. We created the welfareies because people were coming to a field now and they weren't qualified at being in a field. And the people who were qualified to be in a field were now separated in a separate field that was called um, the workers field or the crew field. And they were separated from the people in tents. So the people in tents weren't getting looked after properly. So the welfare was like the intermediary. So we did that for like 15 years and did wow. a lot of brilliant care. We were fully notorious. People either loved us and worshipped the ground we walked on because we saved their asses, or they really hated us because <laughs> mm. we made them look a bit bad. That mm. you're not taking care of your people. Yeah. You need to take care of them better. They're paying your wages. Yeah. So, yeah, we did that. And that was like frontline training in whatever somebody needs do your best to undramatically create peace by giving them the thing that will cause the most peace yeah be it a cuddle or a clean pair of socks or a cup of tea yeah a quick dusting down a smile or somewhere safe to be and you know it was really good training worked really well we had loads of fun really tiring and okay please excuse me if I become a bit flippant at this point, yeah, because I endeavour to speak of things that are quite traumatic in a way that's not too traumatic, but sometimes I am over flippant. Right, so there's your kind of traumatic story warning moment now. Okay. <laughs> right. So me and Josie, we did the welfareies, and the way I describe it is 
we did such a great audition at unjudgmental compassion whilst fully forgetting about self-love we qualified to do the thing that would mean we would have to do self-love or else we would die yeah, yeah so Josie went first and she gave birth and she fell in love with Shungas, one of my all-time long best friends and then he died two months before she gave birth wow. so I went from being the person who was going to support the couple having the baby to the person who was channeling the soul of my best friend so he could be at the birth and I could help her have the baby like that yeah she went from somebody with a partner and a baby that was healthy to someone with a dead partner and a baby that probably wasn't going to survive birth because now they'd realize that the baby had a bag of water where her brain should be and lots of people trying to get her to um abort her baby she was never going to do that so we did this amazing birthing thing with Josie and Billy Rose oh yeah all the consultants stepped up all of the midwives got their special skills it was beautiful Josie is about the closest thing in my world to what your idea of like the mother Mary would look like yeah with the blue eyes and the blonde hair and that kind of angelicness where she does this thing and her and Billy Rose had six months together and that baby was like a ninja she was like a spiritual ninja she was like the epitome of the pavy female family line and she lived a life of love and comfort yeah every second was filled with ultimate care and love and comfort you know a mum did like special skills nappy changing and all this stuff sometimes the heart would stop while she was like changing a nappy and stuff like that it was an amazing six months and then Billy Rose died just near Christmas and we went to we went to um it was 2012 and we went to Stonehenge for winter solstice so I tell stories all the time to describe the world and like sort of keep it flowing and I'm like that I'm like Josie it's 2012 and everyone's been saying the world's gonna end but it's not the world that's ending yeah it's an illusion that's ending and it's this story that's been covered by all of these souls that were terrified that they were going to go to hell, right? And they've all been lost in this in-between bit for a little bit, yeah? But Billy Rose has just come into the world and she spent her whole life receiving just love and comfort from humanity because you are humanity, Josie, yeah? And so now her soul is released and she's going and she's taking, I'm tingling, and she's taking all of them with her, yeah, right? And we're sitting there as the sun's coming up and across the sky, that's what it looked like. Right now, I was telling a story from my heart about how I see it and what I feel. But with that story, Josie's eyes then saw the vision in her heart and her soul and it became a reality in our minds. Yeah. I hope that's making sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? And so we did that. And then like all good fairies, we kind of forgot about it almost immediately. Yeah, because you can't go around <laughs> thinking about that all the time. And, yeah. you know, so... Josie, Josie was sad and grieving and there was a lot of work and friending and space and coming together that we did over the next like three years. I was, I was responsible for fun. Yeah. So I'd go out and I'd find some fun and I'd do the fun and then I'd come to see where Josie was and I'd like tell her stories of fun and I'd remind her that the fun was only happening because she put in the baseline already for the other seven years like that. Yeah. And those kind of things to bring her back into reality. And then 
I we went off to Glastonbury to do this cooking, cooked for the teepee field. And there was this beautiful man with these beautiful blue trousers. And just as I spoke about him, he turned up. And she was like, oh, my God, that's beautiful. And it was beautiful. And the air was beautiful. And he was a pirate fairy king. And I was a pirate fairy queen. It was a wonderful. Because of that, I kind of lost a week. So I was working really hard. So he thought I was keeping track on my cycle. And I forgot a week. So instead of shagging when I was absolutely fine for shagging, I shagged when I was absolutely, absolutely the most fertile I could possibly be and got pregnant straight away. Mm. Like that, yeah? So... I got pregnant. I was like, shit. Like, well, when I was pregnant last time, basically we had the conversation. And I was like, look, I'm not ready to have a baby. But if you really think I'm supposed to be your mum, I'll be pregnant in the morning. And if you don't think I'm supposed, if you don't think I'm supposed to do it, yeah, like this, then um, something will happen and I won't be having a baby. Yeah. yeah. And so I had that agreement. I woke up in the morning, still there. So we did the whole thing until, until eight and a half months. And then Angel Benjamin's heartbeat stopped. And so I had to give birth to him. That was all a bit full on in itself. But I figured I could do it because I know how to give birth. I've helped loads of people have a baby. And, um, yeah, so I did it. It was a bit scary. And um, then afterwards, I didn't really keep hold of myself. And I just went, oh, yeah, yeah, no, just give me the injection to bring out the placenta. And my womb weren't ready for it. So I bled out like eight pints of blood, which I didn't know you could do, but when you're pregnant, you can. And I died for a little bit. Wow. But they brought me back. They brought me back. It was wow. a bit weird. There was, yeah. So all I remember was I had the baby and I knew the baby was dead. And I was doing my best to be okay. And it just got more and more busy. And then my two best mates who'd come, they kind of turned into this double-headed being. And were like, look, just say yes, because... You want to live. You want to be, and I'm like that. Yes. So basically I was saying yes to them, taking me off, putting me under and scraping me out my womb so my womb could close. So I stopped bleeding, yeah? I didn't know. Oh, no. That's why I said warning, sorry, dude. It's a bit early in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I went in, said goodbye to everyone. I was like, oh, shit, I might be about to die, eh? Like, here we go. I've got my teddy bear. I'm like, fuck, I might be dying. Oh, well. And they put the mask over me. And that was it, yeah. And then I was like, around this awesome table, eating all this awesome food, having a really lovely time. And it was like I was there for ages, eh? And really comfy, one of them really comfy parties. And my baby was there. Shemmy's was over here like this. There was Hugh. There's all these different people. And I'm like, oh, God, it's so lovely to see them all. Uh, Go around the table, lovely to see you all. There was Jim's mum, right? And I'm like, hang on a minute. And then there's me nan. I'm like, hang on a minute. Uh, yeah. Everybody's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and my nan's like that. Yeah, everybody's dead. She goes, you're not though. There's time for you to go back now. And I was like, oh, well, right, then and I just woke up, right? And so I woke up. And I'm in this white room. It's white as white as white, right? There's a nurse. She's Chinese eyes, like there, but white hair and a white shirt. And I'm like that. Shit, am I dead? Right, so now my brain's going, shit, am I dead yet? And then my womb goes, oh, I'm like, no, no, not dead, not dead. <laughs> pain in this world, there is pain, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am alive. The next morning they worked out that I had lost far too much blood. I'm number dyslexic, I'm going to try and get it right. 
your hemoglobin level is supposed to be 13 point something. It might be 13.2. And mine was four point something, mm-hmm. which meant that I needed a lot more blood. So, yeah, they gave me all that back, and I kind of realized that that was a thing. And then I had to get better. And so all of the things I'd used to support Josie and all of the things I'd used to help support all of the people for all of the years of ketamine and the years of all of that stuff, and, you know, the cocaine closing people's hearts and all those things where it like, help people come back from these, like, crazy drug joints and stuff. I then realised that I had to do it for myself. And if I didn't, I was going to be fucked completely. I had to just do it myself now for me. So I just started off with my golden spanner, basically, like the rainbow things and just I used to do this rainbow meditation where I'd just say these little words each of my chakras and think about them and just open up and I'd like imagine like I was a tree and put my roots into the ground my branches into the sky my heart in the center connecting earth and sky and I just used to do that stuff for myself and yeah breathing so I did that and I spent a year kind of in shock and after a year one day I was walking across this bridge and a door was open and this voice loud as life went could just kill yourself and for a moment a bit of my brain went yeah I suppose you could and this other bit of my brain went what and it started shouting at me like I was on the riv- riverside again yeah <laughs> what are you doing I was like that no that is no good so I phoned up Josie I was like Josie this has happened she's like get on a train come here so I got on a train I went and saw her and the first thing she did was take me around to her friend's house who fed me the biggest spaghetti bolognese in the world oh. right because if you're really out there, Lots the best thing to bring you in is hardcore digestion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meaty spaghetti bolognese and pasta is hardcore digestion, yeah? yeah. Gets you in there. Again. And I did, and I'm like, come back in. I'm like, right, okay. There's a bit of shock in me that really needs to go now. And as I come home, there's a humongous pain in my hip. Huge. Well, I've been walking around for a year and I hadn't noticed it, right? It was huge. But when I lay down, it hurt. When I stood up, it hurt. All the time, it hurt. Did loads of different massage, loads of different pelvic realignments and all this stuff. No, still happening, yeah? Checked it out. No nerves, being squished, nothing. Really peculiar. Just there all the time. Wouldn't go no matter what I did. All these different things. So I just kind of lived with it. And let it flow on and like did loads of different kind of healings with myself and on myself and through myself and gardening. And COVID happened <laughs> and I got a rest, right? So I didn't have to deal with any people. And I just did myself like a vision quest. I'd done a bit of therapy before that as well. I found myself some energetic therapies through this people called Meat, making energetic therapies accessible is what it is yeah and they just did um energetic therapies for donation it's like a load of hippie stuff really but all the scientists and therapists had checked out and realized it really works because you can talk as much as you like but if you don't move the energy field around what's gone on you'll just keep resonating with the same energy field yeah like these things are like normal words now but like 10 years ago they were still like rocking this man called phil mullin he'd done so much brilliant work to bring what was just woo into scientific reality and then practiced in therapeutic practice 
he, he's the one who um, verified the blue crystal. Yeah, so I've been doing this crystal around me and then he did this whole thing, this blue crystal meditation. He's going to look him up here, he'd like him. He's the one who got all the scientific testing done on EMDR, if you've ever heard of that. It's like eye movement, yeah. reprocessing. Yeah, that stuff. So there's that. The chakra thing is renamed and called AIT, Alternative Integrative Technique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tapping yourself is called TAT, mm -hmm. Tapas Acupressure Technique. The holding spots and the mantras are called Ask and Receive, or sometimes Emotional Freedom Technique, EFT. And he laughs quite a lot about how Basically, we've changed all of the idea of what these things are just by giving them three letter, letter and acronyms. Because now people don't feel like hippies anymore. They feel like they're doing science. And joy of joy, you have scientific process to back up people's yeah. spoken word. Yeah, because you can go, here you go. And we have tried now for 10 years to disprove EMDRs, like, you know, things. And they can't do it. They can't yeah. prove EMDR doesn't work. Yeah, they can't do it. Yeah, so NHS uses EMDR now, and it's, it works for loads and loads of people. And because it changes people's lives, people like the Quakers and people who've had lots of experiences basically share it with other people because it's a way to help us process our stuck emotion. Yeah. So I did all that stuff for myself and through COVID did some really decent vision quests for me and for me kids. Yeah, like so we were just moored up in this place where no one was and we like just had a tent in the woods and just had a really lovely time. It was pretty joy. I didn't have to deal with anyone and started writing my book, my novel and started really owning my experience and where I was at. I did a few um, jobs helping people with special processing abilities, like people my age who were, who were diagnosed as Asperger's or autistic and people like that, yeah, like, because I, I have a full capability to be able to communicate and be communicated with because I have compassion so I can hear someone where they are and so that's what you need. And I think all of that stuff, the babies and the deaths and all of that, but the helping with the births before that and the violence before that, gave me this level of compassion mm. so I've done that for a bit since but mostly I've been writing my book now I would have thought that was enough quite frankly and I would have thought I could have just stayed there help people have babies you know talked about my birth school and help people heal their traumas and all that stuff because I thought being a birth and life assistant was quite cool Missed out one of them, didn't I? Yeah, the death assistant, right? I'd already been helping people with death, but it still wasn't like right at the front of my head. So then I got myself my glorious partner, who I was partners with 14 years ago. But he found me after he nearly died the year before. And we had like a glorious six months and we nearly got married. And then he died like two weeks before we were going to get married. He got like this weird illness in his lungs and he got sepsis and because all of his internal organs were a bit shit from too much abuse, he couldn't really fight back. Wow. But, you know, we, I gathered, I gathered the tribe for his song and we did all these amazing things and supported him and I did everything I know 
and supported the soul of Jerem to be free from the hell that it had made for itself. He came from a long generation of military people and he was the first member of his family not to be in the military. So the soul of Jerem had a lot to repent, shall we say, and thought it deserved badness. It didn't really. And he, you know, freed himself with a bit of nudging and extra dragon breath. And we had like quite a funky flowing across the multiverse. He was in a coma for 10 days, eh? So we had quite a funky 10-day time where I was doing like journeying with him each night and stuff. I wrote it all down. And at the end of it, when I thought he was all done and dusted, I was like, yay, here we are in the spirit world and yay, like, here's your body and we'll go back and we're in. He's like that. Nah. And I'm like, oh, no. Because, you know, there he's in spirit, all golden and golden hair and strong physique and no hurtiness. And there's his body all knackered and hurty and makes him annoyed because he can dance anymore and his teeth hurt and his face hurt and all, everything. He's like, I ain't going back in there. I was like, bollocks. So he died. And yeah, and that kind of put the icing on my learning. And it showed me all of the processes and where my path is in all of the processes, both life and death, and how it's all connected and how they're all really similar. And all anyone needs is a bit of assistance. Mm. Yeah, and mostly they can do it themselves once you assist them to move the fear along a little bit. And most people's fear can be shifted once it's been witnessed. And so, yeah, I did that. And so I spent this year having a full-on rest and not doing loads of care for other people, but 100% doing everything I know to care for me. One more time, for the cheap yeah. seats in my grief. Because my grieving for my baby took five years to come out because I was so in shock from when it happened. So I didn't process it, and that's why I nearly killed myself, yeah? Right, and so I got the therapy after that, and I learned how to process it energetically and moved on. So Crystal's death and the grieving, I grieved it as it happened, and each time the grief came, I knew what it was, and I could be with it, and allow myself to process and be kind to myself and unjudgmental about how tired I felt or how I didn't want to talk to anyone or, or any of that stuff. And she mm. says a little bit blushing, I could totally be at peace with just having him there chatting with me. Yeah, whenever and having him there cuddling with me at nighttime and us being at one in spirit and being really, really close, but also... He's not there at all, but sometimes so tangibly physically there. So I had this rest from everybody else and I made, so Crystal wanted to make this, he made this set of top trumps, the forager's top trumps. He's a forager and a herbal pharmacologist, herb man. And um, yeah, he made this game of top trumps and snap, but they weren't very good and you couldn't really play them. And he's like, I need a hand to play the games fairy. I'm not very good at playing games. Oh, you're all good at being childish. And so I was like, that. well, can we just make them into a pack of playing cards? Because then you could just play cards with them and you can play Snap with cards, can't you? And there's loads of them then. And I was like, that. well, if we can make them out of playing cards, why don't we make them into tarot cards? But as playing cards, because my nan taught me to read playing cards as tarot cards, eh? Mm. Quite a lot of people's nans did, eh? 
Mm. And then I thought, well, because he's dead now. And so he's all in spirit. And I had a chat with Captain Walker. She was one of the ladies from the Peace Convoy who used to run a good trip tent at Stonehenge Free Festivals. And she was like, ah, but do you really want to carry on being involved in all that major arcana, minor arcana? This is like a really old paradigm that never served anyone really well. And then there's the rooms that really serve like the whole picture and the whole pantheon and go in all directions. I was like, ah, she's right, isn't she? And I don't know much about the room. She's like, yeah, there's this great book, and you do really, because you know loads about the tarot, and it's all the same thing. I'm like, right, you are. So I spent the winter reading about runes, journeying with the runes, and getting all involved in all of it, yeah, with Crystal as my kind of intermediary sometimes across things, and journeying to the plants in the cards. And I made this pack of Forager's rune tarot cards with the pictures that Crystal had taken. And so on the anniversary of Angel Benjamin's death, the cards got birthed. So that mm. was on March 13th. And then for every day after that, when I actually got them printed, each day I pulled a card and I looked up to see if Crystal had made a YouTube video of the herb that it was. And if he has, I'll put a link to that. And I'll put a description of what the card was and what the energy was and what the element was up on my um, Facebook page, Lara Fairy Love. And up on my Patreon account, Lara Fairy Love, there's like week one, Forager's Room Tower, week one, week two, week three. So it's kind of a little book, explanation book. And I did this kind of introducing crystals work to the world again because he'd done mm -hmm. all this work yeah all this plant research he made this brilliant website fucking took these wicked pictures but he didn't have any showmanship to get it out there mm -hmm. and he's a bit too old school old school raw yeah, to yeah, think yeah. that we could do anything good through a computer he's yeah. a bit pompous about it in some ways Aquarian, a bit of pompous beautiful but a bit pompous and yeah and so I figured, and yeah, and so I just did that, yeah. And most every day has got a little video and you never see Crystal because he didn't really like looking at himself. But occasionally you get to see his hands and you do get to hear his voice and he just describes these different plants to you. So for this whole month until summer solstice, which was a month before he died, I put up a card every day and I kind of communed big style with Crystal and we birthed this work into the world. Mm. and then summer solstice happened the last card went out and we just had a little rest for the the end of June through to my birthday because it is the anniversary of him dying on the 23rd on the 11th of July and then my birthday on the 21st and the the resting and all the care and everything had really worked because for my for for the time when he would have died these people who were my friends just appeared and they came mm. and they just did exactly the things I needed without me asking them mm. so it'd be all right to it be a year on from when he died and we kind of celebrated and grieved all at the same time and then people came for my birthday and I had a nice time so I've just had a little I met you I met you after I'd Worked for a month doing all these gigs in Oxfordshire, which I decided I was only going to work in Oxfordshire this year, not travel around loads. 
And um, yeah, and the little festival thing was like, I was like, well, it would be cool if there was like more than a day gathering somewhere, especially if it was close by. And it was like nine minutes away. Wow. <laughs> nine minutes away. And it was magical already. But when I woke up in the morning, first I saw you walk. So I just woke up, right? And I saw you walking across the thing. You had your white dress on. I was like, crikey, she's managing to be clean this time in the morning like that. So more than anything, I was like, definitely going to go and listen to her. Yeah, she's managed to stay that clean. I'm very impressed. Yeah. <laughs> I just arrived. Yeah, it's not easy to stay clean, though. Especially uh, white. Yeah. White stuff. Hard work. Uh, yeah, man. I was like, oh, I'm going to see that. And it was beautiful, right? Because how often do you get to be in a field? And on a Sunday morning, the majority of the people there are really up for hearing some poetry. Yeah, I know. Really... I love poetry. I love making things rhyme. I've been doing it since I was a tiny tot, yeah? I communicate in rhyme sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah, and you just did it, mate. You probably did it, eh? I was like that. Ah, bless. Thank you. Yeah, and you empowered me to tell my story because I'm a bit shy when it mm. comes to, you know what I mean? I can present all day. I can show up all day. Yeah, right. But to actually speak my creations. Yes, it's different. With empowerment. Yeah, yeah, you did it, mate. It's you true. fully empowered it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's true. When it comes from you, it's a whole different experience. Like, yeah. it's so um, hiding, you know? It's funny, though, isn't it? Because if you do something that someone's done before, you're yeah. always going to be judged from their standard. Yeah. So it's quite hard to meet, like, you know, airbrush, yeah. vision mixed, fucking layered... Yeah. computerized stuff it's hard to get as good as that yes so covers and karaoke are their own special not that greatness yeah but they're kind of great but they're not that great yeah and so to own the greatness of your own creations is a whole other story because no one's yes. done it before so yes. you can do it exactly like you yes <laughs> Yay, and that is a bit scary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is, yeah. Shit, this is me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, wow, this, what a story. What a story. You just kind of like laid out the whole timeline. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, man. There were some bits I missed out in the middle because there were some shocking bits as well. There's some shocking broken bones and things like that. But it was all part of the general learning curve. Yeah. Yeah, I think I wanted to remind you let me just see yeah i did write a little thing oh yeah there's a little bit in the middle i told you about the welfareies yes and angel benjamin and billy rose but during that whole time i was half living what's called living on site i was half living on site with loads of people who were like the traumatized ends of the old traveling tribe lots of smack and special brew and ketamine and i was you know, someone who was living in a vehicle, so I just ended up being there, but I wasn't that. And so I did a lot of that, and I was in Spain with a lot of that as well, and I did a lot of care for people, and that's where the baby care came from, oh, and yeah, the thing yeah. called dar a luz, which means give to light, which is the Spanish way of saying, one of the Spanish ways of saying to give birth. And so, yeah, if you wanted to look up something inspiring and amazing, look up dar a luz midwifery school, yeah, we won a three-year course in postmodern birth keeping. 
because we believe that every woman deserves her own birth keeper. Yeah, and there's birth keeper for every woman. Yeah, and however you want to give birth, you can give birth like that. Mm. Yeah, and that kind of that and midwifery today kind of empowered me through the Angel Benjamin story and all of that stuff because I'd already done all the work. I just hadn't believed in myself. So mm. now I've done all the work again, and now I'm learning to believe in myself mm. and the serendipity that I create. <laughs> Yeah, so you mentioned before about the home birthing, but so when you gave birth in your life, did you home birth? No, you were at the hospital. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, fully. The first time, I didn't even, I didn't even know. Right, if I was a kid now, they'd tell you that I have ADHD, um, bipolar, BPD. Asperger's and possibly like sort of um, high functioning autism. Yeah. Some people would say that I've got, um, what's the other one? Bloody hell. Can't remember it. Uh, something about high, fu- high functioning, too, too cleverness, basically. My IQ is 152. <laughs> right. So when I got pregnant, I knew the only voice I was supposed to listen to was the voice of the child inside me. I knew that. So I couldn't hear anything else that anyone was saying to me anyway. And um, they couldn't say anything to me because I was living in a van on a farm over there and I wasn't registered to a doctor. The Jeff is the father of the children. He, his sister was midwife, Meg, and she's a bit older than him. And she was a bit worried that I might be just going off to have a baby in the field. So she kind of played doctors and nurses with me and like took my temperature and told us special things and all that stuff because she didn't really want us to have a baby in the field on her own. And she did get me to like call up a midwife in Totnes. But um, yeah, wow. this lady come once, she was really grumpy. And um, she went, well, how long are you going to wait for this baby to come? And I went, well, until it comes out. well you can't go over 40 weeks and I was like why not what happened she went oh well we don't know what happens I went well why don't she goes well we don't let anyone go over 40 and you know that's not to all to me I'm like that you have to fucking come and find me love yeah because you ain't taking me anywhere yeah I'm just gonna have the baby I'm all good thank you yeah I don't need to make it come out so I waited 42 weeks Blue just popped out happy as Larry it was all good yeah like I said we used to run a sound system so um, I'd said to the people the week before who I was living with, I was like, look, my happiest place is when the rig's really loud and we're all dancing and we're all happy. That's my happiest place, yeah, when the beat's really loud. So when I go into labour, that's what I want. They're like, you're fucking mental. I'm like, no, I'm not. My name's Lara. That's what I want. Yeah, and so I woke up. I knew I was in labour. I told them all, because, you know, we were in our 20s, most of them didn't want to wake up. But by, like, late afternoon, I was like, Really? That sound system for the evening, definitely. And they were like, we thought you were joking. I was like, am I fuck? I'm now in labour. I'm really serious. Yes, and I went to the sound system. And we had this wicked party, man. It was so beautiful. Wow, like, I love this. Oh, it was so beautiful. Well, we were living in a truck, right? And there was another truck there, a caravan there, and another truck there. There were kids in one of them. And from everything I'd learned through the telly, you screamed your face off when you had a baby. So I didn't want to scare the children with screaming. 
So I figured the sound system would cover the screaming. I thought I was going to do screaming. I'm not a screamer. Never have been. It doesn't serve yes, me. Yes, same, Growler. same. I'm a growler. Yeah. A growl. Yeah. yeah, way better. Well, for me, anyway. And, um, yeah, so we just had the sound system on. Yeah. And as Blue with his whole life, yeah, Blue music, glacial speed. And me, if I'm meeting something new, it takes me a while to process it, yeah? So me and Blue together, without anyone interfering, without anyone who knew more than us, we just did that. And so I started in the morning. We had a sound system through the night. And then about three o'clock, no, yeah, sorry. Sound system through the night, through the day. We just did stuff and I had like a nice bath in the farm. We did loads of walking around. There was a sound system through the night again. Uh, there more people came. Yeah. <laughs> At one point there was a girl sitting on my bed going, do you know there's a girl here having a baby? I'm like, no, really? She's like, yeah. I'm like, guess what? She's like, well, it's me. She's like, fucking hell. <laughs> it was really funny. She told, she told me years later that I'd inspired her to have a baby because she'd never seen anyone looking so calm. Because wow. I was really happy, man. I was well in my space. Whenever, like, rushes were coming on, I was just having a bit of dance. The father was really chilled out because every time I had a bit of a rush, other blokes thought that was probably a good idea to give him some booze or give him a pill or something. So he was well happy, <laughs> like, raving around, all supportive and cuddly and lovely. And then about half past three in the morning, the battery went down on the van. So there was no light in the van where I was basically... And by this time, this lovely midwife, Jan, she turned up. She come in to have a little check. She's ever so nice and respectful lady. And she's like that. I can't see anything. She goes, they haven't got a head torch. like that. And so some party heads like, oh, don't worry, love. We'll sort you out. She's like that. I'm a little bit scared. I was like, it's all a bit knackered around here. You know what it's like, the second day of sound system, yeah? Like, there's starting to be some, like, slightly crazy people by now, yeah? And some of it weren't quite as shanty as it might have been. I was like, well, we could just go to the hospital, couldn't we? Yeah. So we just kind of went there, like they were our chauffeurs, bumpity, bumpity, bumpity. And we got there and I was sitting on this bed and they were like, I was like, I can walk in there. They went, no, 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 we'll take you out on the thing. And they took me out on the stretchery thing and it collapsed and fell down. Yeah. So Jeff in his superhero mode, obviously all of the pills and the booze had clarified through him and now he was fully crystal clear. He just scooped me up like this, carried me in. He's like a dwarf, man, yeah. He comes up to my shoulder, but really strong. He was like my hero that day. Right, and I walked in. And he's like, she's having a baby. And all I remember is that I was on the thing, getting down with it, yeah. And at one point, I heard Jeff go, no, leave her alone. Like this. They were trying to stick a needle in the baby's head to find out whether he was traumatised. Jeff's like that. If you stick a needle in his head, he will be traumatised. <laughs> leave him alone. So I just had the baby. Out comes the baby like this. I'm like, Woo! It's the baby, wicked, I'm all good. Okay, and I'm sitting there with the baby, everything's groovy, and then this feeling happened, and I'm like that. I've had the baby, what's going on? And they went, no, 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 that's all right, that's your placenta. Now, this is what I mean about education, mm. yeah, in the 70s and the 80s, right? Yeah. 1998, I had blue. I didn't know what a placenta was. I went all the way through school, no one ever said one. Went all the way through pregnancy, no one had said anything about it. I had some meetings with a midwife lady. No one ever said anything about it. No one who talked to me about babies ever said anything about placenta, ever. 
All right? And I'm like that. Shit. What's a placenta? And they went, don't worry. It's the thing that's been feeding your baby. And you've done the hard work. It hasn't got any bones. I was like, right you are. And out it came. I was like, hmm. La, la, la. Baby, baby, baby. I was like, uh, could we have that in a doggy bag to take home? They were like, yeah. And I was there with the baby. And I felt this rummage. <laughs> and there was this woman. And I was like, what are you doing? And she kind of had her fingers in me. She's like that. Oh, I'm just checking, you know, really jolly. Just checking to see if you need any, anything done. I was like, I'm not being funny, but if you don't take your hands away from me immediately, I am going to hurt you. And she's like, oh, and she went away. And she brought this doctor who just stayed at the door and he kind of waved at me. I was like, hello. I'm like, hi. So what are you doing? He goes, I was here to check to see if you need any stitches. I was like, what do you think? He went, I think you're fine. I was like, yay. So he all left me alone. And we just left. It was all cool. I was like 24. Yeah, I was like up and walking around by the evening. We went to the pub, <laughs> took the tiny baby in the little carrier. And the first thing the baby did was um, with his little foot, he kicked his dad's pint all over the floor. I was like, that, I like you, baby. His, his dad was a bit of an alcoholic. I was like, I like you, baby. And life got better and better ever since then because he was the blue baby and he was mine. We did a free party when he was three days old at Perrinporth. And me and the baby kept the sound system safe. We locked it up in the van. And when the police came to raid, we were just sitting there on the bed, sound system locked underneath. And just me looking all lovely with the baby. The policeman just literally looked in the door. Oh, hello, love. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Didn't ask to search anything, went away. That's jokes. Yeah, it was jokes. Just travelled around and had a wicked time and he taught me. And when he was, so when he was a year and a half, I was hitchhiking home and somebody was having a baby where I'd normally stop for a cup of tea. So they asked me to stop and help, so I stopped and helped. And I was really calm, and halfway through the whole story, when some of the people were freaking out, I realised I was really calm. And I noticed that was kind of a skill. Yeah. And even though I didn't know anything else about having a baby, and this was helping someone have a baby in hospital, I knew that all the baby needed was the light. So I just sat at the bottom of the bed and just emoted, shone, channeled the light and emoted peace into the room. And I've travelled all over the world learning from midwives now. And they'll tell you, that's the baseline of midwifery, is emoting that peace. Yeah, like filling the room full of oxytocin instead of the room being filled full of adrenaline. And if you, feel the, if you secrete oxytocin, you secrete oxytocin into the room and other people entrain to your oxytocin. Yeah, mm. and you hold this vibe in the room and it can change the vibe of the room. And if mm. you change the woman's vibe from fear to love, mm. from adrenaline to oxytocin, then she has way more chance of birthing her baby well, healthily and mm. alive. So, yeah, I've just been working on that for, blues 25 now, 25 years. Wow. And yeah. seven, eight years ago, there was all these um, tests. They did all these tests. This lady came and told us all about it. And science proved that oxytocin existed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so ever since then, all yeah. is well. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. And that's why we did the school, because we were just like that. Well, fuck so, this, yeah. <laughs> do you have anything to share about um, free birthing or, like, debunking this of way of the ways that, you know, people give birth in hospital, hospital as opposed to... Okay, I have one thing to say to anyone yeah, who gets it. told anything by anyone in a hospital about their birth. If they tell you something with authority, 
Yes. With love. Yeah, with love. Question authority. Yeah. Find your own authority. Believe in your genetic ability. Yeah. Believe in yourself and your ability. Yeah. You wouldn't have made one inside you if you weren't built to birth it. Yeah. And the words and names that have been given to our particularly female baby birthing genitalia is stuff that fully denigrates its purpose and its process. And we're starting to change that now. You know, doctors are getting retrained on how to name things and how to call things. And I'm kind of at the front line on that. I do a um, workshop called Her Story, His Story, Our Story. And it goes from 8 million years worth of her story through 8,000 years of his story into the last 80 years of our story, which we are now in. Yeah. Yeah. And the naming of all our parts is part of that. So we're on the wave, baby. We're on the wave, yeah. It's a new thing. Free birth has gone through the roof. Yeah, you were saying. It's not being reported in the news because... If somebody gives birth and nobody dies, there's nothing to see here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Apart from some people possibly being a little bit stern the next day and going, oh, you really should have called us earlier. (laughs) But, you know, really good midwives who are overworked don't do that. They just go, well done. Nothing for me to do here apart from fill out some forms. Brilliant. Yeah, like you know, and that's a good midwife. She's like, thank you very much. I am Mm. happy. So there's a lot of it about. There's a lot of midwives that used to be part of the National Midwifery Council who have handed in their resignations and their memberships because they will no longer be told what to do by an overbearing authoritarian paradigm. I like what you... Yeah. Yeah. What did you say? No, I like what you described before when you were uh, pregnant, that you just knew that there was only one person you had to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, that's so powerful. And to even trust that is huge. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is... And I think we could prepare ourselves more. This is why I tell stories to children, yeah? I think we're kind of sold this idea about sex and sold this idea about attraction and love. Yeah. And I feel that this feeling we feel when we see that person is not what the movies have told us, right? It is not this... Oh, I'm in love with him. He's the best one for me. I feel, yeah. this is my own perspective, I feel it could be a few things. I feel when we see that person, it could be our soul going, oh, my God, there's one of my family. There's one of my soul group. There's one of my people. Yeah, it could be that. Oh, there's my it next lesson. <laughs> yeah. It could be your spidey sense going, Fucking stay away from that person. That person is the abuser in the room. Yeah? But because we don't know, what, because we, we, number one, haven't been trained to listen to our intuition, we can't discern the different stories it's telling us. And we've basically been sold this idea of love and how we need to just be with this person, especially if we get this weird feeling. And if we get this weird feeling in our pants, then categorically, apparently, we're supposed to get all inny and outy about it. I'm not a big fan especially if we don't know how we feel. Mm. Yeah? And I'm not a big fan, especially if we don't know 
how to do it so we don't just spill our seed everywhere. Mm. Yeah, and make it so that the womb carrier has to take responsibility for all of that. Yeah, do you know what I mean, there's a, there's a large amount of teachings from thousands of years from all over the world about all of the different processes that the great masculine goes through to like create the divine space for the lingam to enter the yoni and all that business. Yeah. And there's a billion levels that you go through yeah. before you ever stick the thing in the thing. Cause you're supposed to learn how to ride the wave of passion, not be taken over by it. So you just spur out. Yeah. But my generation, we literally got taught to fake it and have sex like the boys did. Yeah. And if you didn't come when they come, then there's a bit of a failure going on and that was all your fault and nothing to do with them. And it was all a bit fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So I've been yeah. endeavouring to change that slowly. Mm. And, and you know, people like that. But Lara, you help people have babies, so surely if people have less babies, then you're putting yourself out of a job. I'm like, well, that's kind of a pretty good idea as well, isn't it? Yeah, because don't we need a few less people? We've got a lot of people. We could do with a few less. And if there was less children, maybe we'd pay more attention to them and listen to what they say. Oof. And listen and listen to how they need to be treated and listen to them the whole way through from, from when we create the space to call them into. Yeah. So before we even get pregnant, thinking about creating the fertile ground for the baby to be in with the fertile relationship with positive relation between masculine and feminine so we can join together and create something beautiful together that creates a fertile ground that means that soul can guide in and then we can grow that child and birth that child in love supported by the basin that we've already created for our clear thought clear communication that yeah do you ever read um the Anastasia books. I watched the film yeah. and I loved it when I was young. I don't what the they're so Anastasia, the one about the the ringing cedars. I remember that. No, I think you read. I think you mean about the Russian royal oh, family yeah. with Anastasia. Maybe. Right, yeah. So, arguably, so there's a set of seven books and they're called the Ringing Cedars books, uh -huh. and they're basically a story told about this woman called Anastasia. Uh -huh. who is a human being who can remember other civilizations before the Aryans or the Igons or the sky god worshippers, yeah, with the big swords. And she, through these seven books, they got famous about 15 years ago. Perestroika had happened. Russia was getting all, like, kind of free and people were able to be themselves at that period, just getting shot or dragged off. And, um, yeah, and they wrote these books. And it really made a happening in Russia. There was like, it was, you know, she was talking about um, growing your own gardens and how everyone creates a fertile space by first growing gardens and communing with the bees and making their own honey and mixing your waters to water on the garden so your garden will grow and it will like, feed you for what you need. And at the time, it all seemed a bit out there, but now everyone's mm. talking about it. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's so funny. Yeah, man. And also now I feel like this is, this is the path, this is the direction that we're going and we've strayed yeah. so far from it, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. I think, I think it's getting loads of fun now. <laughs> every, everything gets a voice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and we're moving out of 
bipolar Christian um, leftover Christianity yeah. Catholic business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good and evil, God yeah. and the devil, yeah. right and wrong. And we're moving much more into four square directional, yeah. five square centred. Oh, look, we're all just parts of the story. All the yes. elements make up the world we live in. Yeah, all totally. Make up our perception. All of it is here. What you choose to do, if it brings you joy, brings you joy, and that is good. Harm none is the only law. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, like that. And mostly it seems to be working. <laughs> yeah, she definitely. says tentatively. <laughs> I mean, I know, there's, I know there's a big womp out there just trying to terrify the fuck out of every single person and make them all think they are fucking poor, and the world's going to end, and everyone's going to die, and the world's going to explode. But if that really is the truth, when everyone's worked their tits off for the last four years just to be like this, surely that would mean most people would just have a bit of a rest in the party now and do what brings them joy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like maybe have a walk instead of driving around. Maybe grow some vegetables instead of buying them from the supermarket. Maybe like save your grey water and dig a swimming pool in your back garden so you can have a swim in the grey water from your house instead of spending loads of money on having a bath. You know, like all these different things are becoming more of a reality now. So yeah, totally. It is what it is and it's all happening exactly the way it's supposed to. So do me best not to get too too unpeaceful about it you know what I mean it's like let it come let it go let it come let it go yeah be a bit curious occasionally if it comes all up in me like yeah yeah, yeah. a bit curious and go what what is that then (laughs) yeah I mean I think that is the motto for these times now it's just yeah let it come let it go literally (laughs) (laughs) let it go (laughs) totally but sorry go for it and then Go on then. I was going to say, what age are you? What years are you? Oh, 33. Wicked. Nice. <laughs> That's a good age. And yeah, you? so you were, you were, me? Oh, I'll get it right in a minute. I d- it just changed because it's my birthday. In July. Oh, yeah. 49. 49. Oh. 49 the other day. So, yeah, that was good. I feel like my life is actually finally where it's supposed to be, because I've been talking like this for a fucking long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and finally now, my experience in life gives me enough to be able to speak without fear of what people say or do to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you can say loads of shit and do loads of things as it goes. Yeah. I will survive Yeah, or I will die. I mean, Either I feel way. like... 2020 was a big one for that for everyone in it no shit man but it's interesting because i was just watching that new david ike uh interview before the call and yeah. he, was, he said the same thing he said you know back then everyone thought he was crazy obviously a lot of what he said is coming to fruition and he was like there are so many more people now <laughs> yeah no shit well it's a funny thing in it yeah. and you got to... so the midwives always told me all of their like um free birth movement from like the 60s in America, all those ladies, Ina Mae Gaskin, Gail Hart, Lisa Goldstein, Michelle O'Donnell was in France, like all these people, yeah, they're who like I did my midwifery apprenticeship with, if you like, yeah. 
And they just kept telling me again and again and again. They're like, when people don't see stuff, they don't see stuff. It's completely invisible to them. You can keep saying it and saying it and saying it, but they won't hear you. And then they'll come this moment when they notice you, right? Oh. The first time they <gasps> notice so you. Yeah. And when they notice you, the first thing they will do is they will cut you down. They'll go, what are you doing that for? Yeah. Uh, what are you doing that for? Uh, what's that oh. about? Why are you doing that stupid thing? Right? Because, you know, you look stupid, don't you? You're not doing what they're doing. Yeah. So, First, they'll, first they will ignore you and not see you. Yes. Then they will notice you and they will cut you down. Yeah. And then they will get really fucking angry. Mm. Yeah. The third one, they will be really fucking angry because you're carrying on doing your thing. Yeah. And they realize that they've been doing this other thing for ages and they didn't see you. And then they saw you doing this thing, which they'd never thought to do. And then it comes upon them that they never thought to do it, and you did. And then they're really fucking angry for a minute because they spent this whole time doing as they were told and not thinking to question. And there was me, silly hippie fairy person who hasn't had a proper education, is literally just a performer, yeah? And here's me, like, speaking free birth and true birth and real birth and, like, helping these people have these really great birth outcomes all around the world. And they're working in a hospital, getting paid 10 times as much as me, but I'm living the richer life. So then they were really angry. But after they finished being angry, and especially if I just stay peaceful, then this revelation happened. Mm. And they have a big old cry and they get really sad. And then people start doing things. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's the template that can be used so many different things you got to be careful you just got to take care of right? just because you've worked it out yes don't mean other people will and even yeah. if you tell them right up front don't yeah. mean they're going to say thank you yes yeah because yeah. everybody is living the world that they really believe in mm-hmm. and if anyone's going to change it's it's going to hurt them and they're going to feel embarrassed mm. and we could just be kind yeah Totally. Because we can be kind, yeah? So if we just be kind. And if you don't know how to be kind, tell someone. Yeah, go, you know, I don't even really know what it feels like to have someone be kind to me. I don't know what it is. Yeah, because some people don't know. They've no. just had harshness. It's true, man. It's so true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our mission, I think. Mm. Yeah, Our new monk mission is to be kind and start off with being kind to yourself, innit? Yeah. Love yourself. Love your lovers. Love your sisters and your brothers. Yeah, that's so important. Even what you were saying here of that, this part since 2020, for you to be able to finally be giving yourself that kindness that you've been giving to everyone, you know, that that is so important. It's mental. Well, do you know, the the general gift of sensitivity. Yes. It's an amazing gift. Yes. If you don't know how to process it, you can end up in a funny little place where you feel like you're supposed to be serving everyone's needs. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I did with the welfare is I served everybody's needs. Yeah. yeah everybody's, everybody's, everybody's. Yeah. And I used to forget about myself. Then I would look after myself. I'd go away and I'd like be ill for a week or something and take care of myself. But yeah, took some time hey, to yeah. learn. 
Yeah. All part of the journey. Yeah, all part of the journey. Well, Deep it's learning. Like, deep learning. Yeah, what I find so interesting, though, about your story is that there's just so much traveling between these different dimensions, really. Yeah. Like, obviously, not everybody has that skill as well. Like at the beginning, you know, of being able to see, because yeah. we know it exists, right? And, yeah. You know, theoretically, it exists in this place and all, you know what I mean? Yeah. But not everyone is, yeah, gets the hot vision. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And you can decide yourself whether that's a blessing or a curse. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I do the little songs, yeah? So I'm a YouTube channel, like Lara Fairy Love 2021. Yeah. There's all these little songs and stories which are almost completely innocuous, yeah? Like like the Rainbow Song, red and... Yeah, so I yeah, change yeah, the words yeah. a little bit. Red and orange and gold and green, sky blue, indigo, white. Yes. I'm a rainbow, you're a rainbow, you're a rainbow light. Things like that, yeah, mm-hmm. just remind us how simple and gentle it really is. Mm. And I have a feeling that if we just drip, 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 simple little songs and simple little stories and simple little breathing, the next generation will just be doing it easily, like yeah. breathing. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. I really feel like our generation, we have hardcored it through We've done some quite ridiculously smashing initiations. <laughs> yeah. yes. Smashed through loads of dimensions, sloughed off loads of generational trauma. Yeah, like sort of put ghosts to rest that have been in our souls for like, you know, 500 years. Yeah, like I know for sure yeah. that in the last 200 years, there were souls that have held out since the beginning of humanity for peace through the whole change some souls held up in complete peace, but in the last 200 years, some of them finally went, no, fuck this then, I'm fucking having you. And born in this time now, yeah, we've come through this massive guilt because mm. finally we killed loads of people and we probably really enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we feel like we're really bad. So, yeah, we have come through and we have, like, sloughed off this guilt of being human killers and we are returning to being human lovers mm. yeah that yeah. so i'm just really intrigued about the this of your crown chakra when it completely opened and then you said you had to you learned how to kind of shut it now have you found a way to kind of like i don't know it sounds like that was a whole experience in itself mate it was huge yeah right? it was huge like i've done loads of research since yeah so um i yes. I met. I read a load of books by a lady called Dion Fortune. I don't know if you've ever read any of her books. Amazing, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Best book ever is called um, The Sea Priestess. Yeah, Dion Fortune. It was the first book of hers I've read. Amazing. After that, I read um, Psychic Self Defense, which she wrote. Yeah. Now she was, she was, one of the first people to learn about psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. She was also one of the seers for a magical working group called the Golden Dawn with W.B. Yeats, mm. Yeats, Yeats. Yeah. And, um, yeah, sometimes Alistair Crowley and all these different people, yeah. And she was holding the hermetic vision of the divine feminine in a sea of occultic stuff that was led by the divine masculine. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so... I read a load of her books, 
And immediately they're all saying, well, yeah, there's loads of other stuff going on in the world. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right then, so just because in March and on the telly, there's none of this stuff, <laughs> doesn't mean there isn't stuff. So I'll start reading. So I read them books and I put the stuff into practice and I learned about my aura and I learned about my things and I learned about my truth with it, yeah? Because I'm not very good at being told what to do. I yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about it. So, jump it <laughs> so in my late 20s after that, I tr- a few a few spiritual gangs tried to headhunt me. This woman tried to get me for druids and I was just like, there's some really, really not, yeah, no, there's some stuff in there that I don't hold with. I'm not going in there. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much power you offer me. I feel like I've got my own thanks yeah. and I'm just subjugating it to yours. Yeah. Yeah, same with um, a couple of, um, what they're called, covens, with some really bossy old ladies. You know, I used to call them wiggly stick ladies. And in my 20s, I kind of made it my mission to just tell them to fuck off yeah <laughs> fuck off you're not in charge of me and i kind of lent towards like i said the dower poo yeah i lent towards the taoists and within the taoists there's this thing um in the celtic traditions of this land there's a thing called pathfinding yeah which and wayfinding which um some people call shamanic journeying Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so when I went to space, so me I'm a bit word sensitive and I was like, shamanic oh, I dunno. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really want it to be shameful. I don't really yeah. agree. Right? And so I went off. Oh, I missed out a bit. I'm gonna I suppose I should tell you this or else it won't make sense. So um ever since my nan died when I was eleven, she promised she'd be with me forever and then she died. And I was very upset for about a month and then I woke up one night and she was sitting at the end of my bed large as life wow. and she told me to calm down stop freaking out everything would be fine now I could accept it right because she used to tell me this story about my granddad mm. about how when he'd been really ill he had the flu and then he said oh I'd love a cup of tea Ivy she went downstairs made me a cup of tea come back stairs he was dead she was really sad for like three months Everyone thought she'd need some pills and that. And then one day she was all fine. The reason she was fine was because when she sat up in bed in the morning, there he was sitting on the end of the bed, large as life, going, it's all right, don't worry. I'm just making sure it's all right for you, Ivy. Yeah? So she told me that story again and again. So when it happened to me and she sat at the end of my bed, I felt fine. Yeah? So that was happy. When I first met the hippies, I did this um, little workshop called Meeting Your Spirit Guides. Through touch. So you felt each other's auras, yeah, by feeling each other's hands. Yeah, and you felt the aura and the energy of a person that was there in physical. And then you asked your spirit guides to be physically strong for you. And then you concentrated and you kind of patted the edge of their aura and you found out what they felt like, right? And it was my nan. Largest life, square toes, patent leather handbag. <laughs> And I was like, it's my that. So I took in her, her glasses the way they were. And um, so I told the man, like, so we had a share at the end. And I was like, oh, yeah, I met my man. And this man with these big black dreadlocks and beard and a kind of authoritative thing went, oh, no, that's not possible. And I'm like, oh. I'm like right, well. And so I went off that evening. I sat around this fire contemplating and generally going, hmm. I was like, but Nan, 
he said it was impossible and he seemed to know what he was doing. And she went, it's only paperwork. She goes, don't worry about it. She goes, I promise you I'll be with you forever. Here I am. Don't worry about it. I'm like, right. So my nan's meeting spirit guide. Wicked. Felt a little bit crazy because it was a little bit like being crazy again, yeah, because I'm <laughs> yeah. talking to stuff. Yeah. But I'm like that. And then this lady appeared out of nowhere. She's called Tui. She, yeah. And she turned up. She went, I've just come to give you a message from spirit. I was like that. Okay. So the spirit says, don't worry. Your nan will always be here to watch over and guide you. And I'm like that. Okay. I was like, yeah, I know. She went, Nana Ivy, like this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Mind blue. <laughs> yeah. So I had that experience. I had the same experience with me granddad when my mum's dad died. He came standing in my bed. And the same experience when my dad brothers died. He gave me a message from my dad. And I've always told my parents, and they've always gone a little bit like that, that they kind of accepted it as a thing. And I've just kind of accepted it and not got too woo. So here I am in Spain with this dude who's apparently a shaman. And he does this thing called shamanic journeying. And he's like, yeah, we get this drum and we drum. And you go in and your brain goes into this kind of level of trance. And, and then you can journey about, you know, journey up the tree, down the tree, through the tree, all this stuff. Wouldn't you like to have a go? I'm like, yeah, sounds good. So I did that. I had a really nice time. Went off. Found a beaver, pear animal. I mean, I'm there like this and it's all good. And I just had a, quite a good time. And it was all good. My partner... He was like, oh, fucking heebie-jeebie, hoodoo voodoo, what a load of bollocks. I was like, really seems way less bollocks than anything else I've ever been told. You know, all that yeah. God stuff seems way more bollocks than this. Yes. And it's all in me anyway. And I yeah. can understand the metaphor and all yeah. that stuff. I get that it's my brain processing itself. Right. I'm all happy. All right. So Dave was the man's name. Yeah. People used to call him Shaman Dave or Shame on. Dave, yeah, depending on how clever he was being. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he was like that. Basically, oh, that was it. I was about to give birth to Jemmo, who's my second son. And um, Shame and Dave turned up first thing in the morning. Yeah, and he's like that. You're having the baby? And I was like, yep, I am. I was like, how the fuck do you know? He goes, this purple-haired gypsy woman's been sitting in the end of my bed all morning telling me that I've got to come and see you. And I got so bored of having to tell her to be quiet that I thought I'd better come and see you. I was like, what was her name? He went, Ivy. I was like, okay. This dude's on it a little bit. So, yeah, yeah Shaman David is part of the school of lapsed shaman, which means that basically he spends his whole time taking piss and um, going, yeah, if you want to be a shaman, go and be one. Whichever, you know, it's in you. Everyone's got one. If you want to do it and you resonate with it, get on. There are no hard and fast rules. You don't need a drum. You could use your heartbeat. You've got your own drum. Yeah, you can do it any way you like. Just remember, focus, intention. Because if you don't focus your intention, you won't remember why you're there. And so that means when you come back, you won't remember what happened. And if you don't remember anything, what was the point in doing it? You may as well just carry on dreaming. Yeah, if you want to be awake in it and bring back stuff then that's what you could do and I'm like, cool so i started to practice that myself in a very lapsed way and not tell too many people i did loads of different things got you know yeah put in place my four psychic secretaries mm -hmm. yeah which is like so here i am in the physical world and here is the spiritual realm the if we call this 
the material, we call that the immaterial or the immaterial, whatever you call it. Yeah. So I can communicate here with physical beings really, really easily. It's a bit harder for me to communicate with beings in the immaterial realm because there's all of this materialness in between us. But if I have spirit guides that are part of my story, which know who, what, why, where, when I am, they are in spirit. So mm -hmm. they now stand around the shining light that is me. And when anything comes towards me, they question it. Mm. And they ask it who it is, what it wants, and what its business is here. And if truly I can support it, because I am Lara here living in 2021 in England, and I'm 49 years old and I've got a fanny, if I can assist, then they will ask if I am open to help yeah. and I'll do the and that's basically how it works. Yeah, I do gotcha. my rainbow chakra meditation out to the open to the everything, opening each of the things. But I always close them down with a silver disc mm -hmm. with a equilateral cross like a kiss on it. And I close down all the energy and keep it safe within myself. I draw these pictures like I feel like our chakras aren't really these little things inside us. Yeah. They're these big walls that go around us that like yeah. are all around us the length of our arms yeah, but yeah. rainbow color with like these great big rainbow caterpillars really if i turn my fairy eyes on we're basically like great big rainbow caterpillars and some people's rainbow caterpillars are outside them and some of them are inside them really tiny like little yeah, tiny yeah, yeah, pebbles yeah. and some yeah and like that and so yeah i work on only opening up when i've set the space and everything is supported and safe and ready. And then I will open up into the healing session. And then whatever needs to be healed will come through. And I'll discuss with the people and I'll listen for what comes up. And if they want to know, I'll tell them. And if they don't want to know, I'll just listen to what comes up and like put my hands in the places that need the extra energy from the great above and the great below and the great mm. center. And I just do that. So it can be wordless or you can know everything about all of your lifetimes and who's coming to visit you and who wants to give you the healing and the thing and all that stuff, depending wow. on where you're at, really. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. It's great. You've found a way to, like, a, a shamanism is obviously, like you say, it deals with all of those different, it deals with the spirit world. Yeah. So like it is the framework for that. So yeah. it's great that you found that way. And also, like you said at the beginning, like that woman in the shop said, you're in control of it, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, fucking hell. And we're not taught that when we were little. No, I know. Yeah, we taught it, weren't, it didn't exist at all. Yeah? Yes. And anything that spoke to you like that was the devil, even though we didn't believe yes. in God. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. We believe in the devil, but we don't believe in God. This is yeah. a really fucked up reality, man. Yeah, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, so true. It's, and now we've worked out we are God, so yeah. that's all we Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's wild as well, just the fact that, you know, that's seen as crazy as well, because the amount of, I was having this conversation the other day as well, you know, this whole schizophrenia thing and like, well, actually what's happening is we're opening ourselves up to the real reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. Well, you know, there's that thing, the Jewish mystics have got this thing called the Kabbalah, Kabbalah. Have you heard yeah. of it? The tree of life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, they're all Abrahamic religions. So I'm like, yeah, no, cool, that's fair enough, but there is more to it than that. Yeah, yeah? yeah but exactly. in the Kabbalah, the tree of life, there's like 
So you can, you can, you know, it's it's like the Jewish idea of the map of the way to heaven. Yeah, the map of how you get to the Godhead of your own soul. Oh, and um, oh, is it stopping? Yeah, and what's happened and what I saw coming and what I knew was going to happen and what Alan Moore said was going to happen in his book Prometheus and all those things is that we were going to get to the point where the 32nd path opened, yeah, which is the path that goes straight from your base, yeah, straight from the kingdom, straight up to the crown, yeah, straight through the middle, everything open, everything yes. is revealed, and you can just deal with it. And I used to say, I used to say, well... The 30-second path is going to open, mm -hmm. and when it opens, we'll all see ourselves for how we truly are, and mm -hmm. some people will be so upset and so paralysed by fear that they'll just die. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so, you know, COVID did the thing, and it was all in the lungs and all this stuff, and I'm just like, okay, I really hope, and I know, really, I know I didn't make the reality by saying it. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? But every now and then you go, fucking hell, it's a bit full on. Yeah, like that. It's a bit. So I always remember to check myself. Remember, I am part of reality and creating reality, but I am not responsible for all of reality. Yeah, yeah. And you're you're obviously just tapping into a yeah. timeline, you know. Tapping in. Yeah. Let it flow. Let it go. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> take, don't, don't take too much. Don't take too much. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Um, what, so I just wanted to bring it back to the beginning of what you said when we first started as well. Just, you know, I don't need to take any of these psychedelics or drugs because my mind already is. And what you've described now is very clear as to why you have come to that conclusion. <laughs> because it's like you're literally yeah. traveling in, doing, you know, yeah. mad. I literally don't need any of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and if yeah, if people generally, I I sport with people because um, you know, I like to have a chat. I like to have a chat, and some people take drugs and then feel finally they can talk to me, and so I'll talk with people and I'll play with them in their reality almost because because I'm a sensitive and because I because I can. I can be in the same space yeah. as they are. Yeah. I can almost taste the drugs, if you like. It's a bit, sometimes I'm like that. It'll hit, hit me. I won't notice. You know, I haven't noticed. And I'm like that. Oh, I'm feeling a bit. Oh, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, that's what's going on. Mm. Yeah, people are making themselves faster with that white powder business. I can, I can, I can smell it. I can feel it. I can see it. I'm like, right. It's a bit smudging. I remember to fucking keep my boundary nice and strong. Mm -hmm. I remember I'm inside here. And if that's going on, take take the action you need for you to be safe and your heart to stay open and know that you'll be needing to stay heart open here to create balance. Because when people take the cocaine stuff, it closes the heart. That's its primary function. Closes the heart. Yeah. Bit mm -hmm. sad, but there you go. Closes your heart chakra. There's quite a lot of people who are so filled with love, they can like take it anyway, and their heart closes a bit, but they're still like all full of love. It's really quite interesting. <laughs> Makes me laugh. But yeah, baseline, that's what spirit says. Spirit says, heart chakra, close by cocaine. It makes you not care about anyone or anything else apart from yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Like, fair enough. Maybe sometimes people need that shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Makes me punch people. I tried it <laughs> two times. Yeah, I tried it two times. And yeah, really had no sense of humour immediately. Like, really didn't. Yeah. And I was um, like, no, yeah. this is no good for me. This, uh, no, this is no good for me. All of this rage. And I didn't know the word then, but if I knew it, I would have said unprocessed rage. Yeah. All of this unprocessed rage is now right up here, mm -hmm. just waiting for someone to go like that. Mm -hmm. So I can go, meh, <laughs> and then back. Yeah, so, so interesting. No, no to that for me. Yeah. And also, I like the, your story because it's like the reminder that, you know, we're coming back to our power, you know, to our own magic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, our magic. Yeah. Yeah. But I live by this little woodland called the Hearst. So I think I'm going to do a lot of um, stuff in the woods over like sort of the winter and the springtime next year, just literally being in the woods with the trees, singing in the trees. Sounds amazing. Yeah. And just like having people standing by a tree and singing the song of the tree and making your own little fairy dens and that little stuff, yeah, to remind you to get back to ourselves, I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it's happening, isn't it? Yeah, people are wanting to get on their faces instead of off their faces. Yes, yes, right? <laughs> yeah, man, on our faces. That's where we want to be. Yeah, that's exactly where we want to be. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, wow, what a story, what a journey, what there's so much that ha happened, and yeah, man, absolutely shitloads happened. <laughs> Well, so, sorry to bang on, but I figured you asked, so I figured I'd tell you. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I mean, it's life, well, I'm isn't hoping it? that you're going to come and join me in the woods at some point and we can do something there. The people who do the um, energetic therapies for donations, we might do it to like raise money for that because they do this through COVID. They worked out how to do um, energetic therapy sessions online. Because, of course, it's energy, in it? You don't need to be in the same room, do you? So it totally lends itself to online. It's really good. So, yeah, I reckon a little bit of that because then they could afford to have more therapists mm -hmm. and they could serve more people, yeah. teach more people the therapies, and then more people could do it for themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that might be the idea. I think it'll be a fundraiser for me. Yeah. Watch the space. Yeah, it's very, this whole energy and the entities and even what, I feel like this is becoming more and more widely known and yeah. also just through people's experiences because I've even had friends yeah. who have, basically, you open yourself up to this astral realm, right? And not everyone there is good and nice and kind, you know? So then all of a sudden it's like, and people need the tools to know what, how to handle that because, yeah. yeah, we are so much more, there's so much more going on here. Yeah. Well, and if you hadn't been taught it in physical, yes. which a lot of us hadn't been taught it, it's really hard to do it in astral because who even knows if it's real? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and you kind of know it's real because you're experiencing it. Yes. But how can you hold a boundary when you're still trying to fully mm. process that is actually really happening? Yeah. Yeah, and you can mad yourself forward and backwards really quickly and you've got to find your center yes you've got to find your true center and feel your feels mm. for yes and no and right and wrong in yourself mm. and then you can start to sift 
and work out what you want to let in and help empower you. You know, I, when I put my hands on for like energetic healings and stuff, I feel the hands of my ancestors Oof. over my hands. Even even talking now, do you know what I mean? They're like that. You know, filling me filling me with their power. Yeah, like through generations, through, through all of the star line, back and forward, yeah? yeah? Sending the message out to my generations that will go seven generations in front of me. Yeah? And just, just that stuff, yeah? And so we've got a load of gifts and they're all just here, ready yes. for us. And all we've got to do yeah. is shed and let go of the generational stuff that isn't really ours anyway. Yeah, and the yeah. distractions and the annoying. It's going to be hard and going to be confusing. Sometimes yeah. people are cunts and sometimes shit things happen. Yeah. Yeah, and that's in the physical world and the spiritual world. Yes. But have a sense of humour and remember to breathe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Remain calm, stay colourful. Mm. <laughs> yeah, man. I love yeah. that you use the word ninja as well because I always say that you've got to be a ninja. <laughs> you have got to be a ninja, mate. Yeah, like all the way. Yeah, if you don't know your death move, you could be in real trouble. Yeah. yeah <laughs> stay back. They're like, whoa. He's like, yeah, man, stay back. Yeah, right. Love Wait it. in line, take a number. I think that uh, Laura's battery might have died. Anyways, uh, blessing. It's so great to talk to Lara so much to have learned from this. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy when people go through this experience where they're just shot right into the deep end and it's just like, boom, now you've got to learn. Now you've got to figure out what's going on. And it's ultimately the, the lesson that we're all coming to terms with here is this, through this awakening. It's realising <laughs> there's so much more. And luckily, now there are more and more people and there are more and more foundations that we can lean on that can help us through this process. So yeah, is there any reflections that you would like to share about the process that we're going through and the outer reflection in the world? Yeah. Yes. Let's get with feeling the feels. Mm. Let's get with feeling how we feel and being able to have a sense of humour about it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make it a real thing that crying is as valid as laughing. Yeah, and let's work out if that rage you feel is some unprocessed shit, or it's you actually holding your boundary and going, "No, I don't like that." Yes. Let let's let's feel the feels until we can be discerning. Yeah. Because then we will have real power in our own abilities. Mm. Yeah. And to do that, you've got to keep a sense of humour. No matter how dark and terrible and scary it is, try and find a joke. Even if it makes you wince, try and find a joke because then you'll find the humour and spirits like humour. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you'll get buoyed up and... And grabbed up and cuddled up, yeah. But if you like freeze yourself down into frozen fear and coldness, you can't connect to anything, and it makes the world a really scary place. Mm. Yeah, sense of humor in all things. Yeah, practice that bubble, man. 
your emotional boundary, your bubble, your aura, whatever you want to call it. It's a real thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the great things that COVID did, really, was, like, make people realise that we have all got, actually, an energetic two-metre bubble. And it's quite cool if you pay attention before you step into it. Just that, really. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how I like to end is just to ask everyone, what is your definition of freedom? Oh, self-responsibility mm. and unconditional love. <laughs> love that yeah yeah man of self and all it's yeah. so interesting because freedom and self-responsibility almost sounds like they contradict each other but no no yeah but and but yeah. but if if you're responsible for yourself and your actions mm. and what you love and what you eat then you're free to do anything yeah, if you can only sleep in that house, because that's where you've been told, and if you can only shit in that toilet, because that's what you've grown up with, and if you can only eat that bit of food, you can only buy it from that shop, it's kind of fucked, isn't you? Mm. Can't yeah. go anywhere. You've just got to stay there. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, yeah, be curious. Mm. Be curious, yeah? Try something new. <laughs> <laughs> Try something you never tried before. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been amazing oh, just you. listening to your journey. Just us like listening the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like wow. And so much magic. Just so much magic. Considering I never knew anything about any of it, it's all been a bit surprising. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. but I I feel like that is also a reflection in my journey as well. You just throw it into the deep end sometimes and that's just how it is. It yeah. just goes boom. And then you have to yeah. figure it all out, you know? <laughs> and I kind of think that's, that's, that's kind of half of the mission. It's like, right, yeah. let's see if this is really real. Let's chuck ourselves into somewhere where there's none of it and see yeah. if it still comes through. Yeah. And I think it does. Yeah. And I agree. I feel like that is part of the, the mission is us figuring it out. And that's the way that we start to reclaim our power and, you know, all of those things, you know? Yeah, definitely. The hero's journey, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's right. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, right. I'll put all your links in the description below as well so people can find you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Eh? It was such an absolute honour and a pleasure to talk with you. Mm. And blessed me and you, hey? Blessed me and you. Yeah, and thank same you. with you as well. Good luck, yeah? Thank and I'll you. see you quite soon, I yeah. reckon. Yeah, when yeah, I come right. to London, I'm going to give you a shout when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> right, take it easy. Rest your, yeah. rest your ear, hole, ear holes now, love. Yeah, thanks, Tom. <laughs> take it a nice one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and to this podcast. We hope that you can gain many insights through the art of listening. If you haven't already, we would love it if you can follow us on YouTube, on Instagram, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that feels right for you. We've also just launched our first online course, Awakening 101. A Ninja's Guide to Navigating Your Spiritual Awakening, which is led by me and is offered via donation. So if you feel called to that, then please dive in. It's available via our website. Thank you.